0: Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. This week, I just just got back. Um, in fact, yeah, barely gotten any sleep. But I just got back from dropping off my son in college. He was going to college in Arizona at Grand Canyon University. Um... Dropped him off, and throughout this week, as I was celebrating, I prepared the sermon, by the way, in, on the college campus in their, their uh, library. But throughout the week, as I was just praying and asking the Lord what to, to do the message on, this message just kept coming back. And at first I thought, no, that, that, that's not it. And, but God, the Holy Spirit just kept bringing it back. He said, this is it. So I honestly believe, not only will this be a good message, But I believe that there is someone this is for you today. God really wants this message to get to you. Um, Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Today I want to talk about the power of our thoughts, the impact that our thoughts have on us. Religion says that being a good Christian is about what you do. There's the saying that says, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, did it make a noise? A religious person would say, if a Christian thinks something stupid, something wrong, something sinful, but doesn't get around to doing it, did it happen? Does it matter? And the answer to the first is, if a tree falls in the forest, yes, it makes a noise. The answer to the second is, if you meditate on something, it matters. Even if you never get around to acting on it. Most of us are probably, well, depends on the way your mind thinks. When I listen to a preacher and they say something, I try. I get ahead of my life, you could use that verse, you could use this verse. And immediately the verse that probably comes to some of your mind is the verse where Jesus said, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, He who lusts after a woman in his heart has already committed adultery. See, the Pharisees thought that it's all about appearance. It's all about appearance. It's what I do and, and people see. It's what people see that matters. And Jesus said, you've heard it said that you need to be careful what you do. I'm telling you, you need to be careful what you think on. Matthew 15, 7, 9 says, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. This is speaking to the Pharisees. He says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. As Christians, we need to avoid a life that is just about human rules. Oh, I can do that, I can't do that. I will do that, I won't do that. I, as I said, I spent the week, we went down dropped my son off at college, helped him get set up there, we had a few adventures, we went rock climbing, we did some cliff jumping, we did a, some shopping, which to me is less of an adventure, but maybe some of you, that, that would have been your highlight of your trip. And I'm in a strange city. Some of the areas that we drove through were pretty questionable. And drove by some people were obviously out there looking for clientele, propositioning themselves. And I saw that and I thought, how is that even appealing? At first glance, when it just, you're surprised. You pull up to a stoplight, you're not paying any attention, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa! But then I realized, it doesn't happen in that moment. It starts in the mind ahead of time. How many of you guys have ever been offered something that you unexpected and you declined and afterwards you were like, I probably should have said yes. Anybody, has that ever happened? Like, I'm, not talk- I'm talking about good things now. <laughs> You're like, you know what? You, 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 somebody, somebody surprises you. You don't, it's, you haven't rehearsed it in your mind, you weren't expecting to be offered a cookie, uh, whatever. You, just, it's, you weren't, and then later you thought about it. See, the opposite is also true. When we meditate on something, well, I would never do that. But you know, if I ever did, this is kind of how you you go through your mind and and you think on it 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 and you think on it. And pretty soon, there you are going out there. The people who are falling into that trap thought about it before. I I remember in high school, and I've used this for those of you who've been here, I've I've said this example before. When I was in high school, I was talking to another kid, and we were talking about lives, and I said, you know, I am going to save myself for marriage. And his name was James. He looks at me and he says, I don't believe you. What do you mean? He says, you mean to tell me that if you're ever you know, if someday you're in a room naked with some girl, you're going to say no? And I thought about it, I was like, actually, I won't be in a room naked with some girl before I'm married. So, no, like, I'm not telling you I'm going to say no in that moment. I'm saying I'm going to avoid that moment entirely. See, he was thinking that you don't, Make your decisions in advance. You make your decisions in the moment. And if you make your decisions in the moment, your decisions are going to be messed up. What do we do? We need to be intentional and plan ahead what our decisions are going to be. We meditate on it. And here's the thing. If you have a habit of thinking, imagining, we can use the term fantasizing, about the decisions that you don't intend to take. What you've done is you've practiced and you will end up there. You'll end up there and it'll be difficult. You'll find it tempting and challenging to say, no, why? Because you've already rehearsed. How many of you guys remember the Karate Kid movies? Wax on, wax off. Remember that? And it was like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why is he making me do this over and over and over again? And then, you know, after he has him for hours and hours putting wax on and wax off of his car, then he comes up and he, he shows him that when he throws a punch, if he goes like that, it blocks the punch. And then he blocks the punch. What he, had, he gave him that motion, that action to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And then when a, when a situation came, it was muscle memory. He could quickly do the thing that he needed to do. That is what our lives are like. That is what our thought life is like. The... The, <laughs> Not every thought, now here, here's the thing, some of you are thinking, okay, I need, to, I need to watch my thoughts. But I want you to say this with me, say not every thought, not every thought. That, enters that enters my mind is mine. It isn't. I tried to do a little bit of research, how many thoughts They have? The lowest study I could find says that humans have about 6,000 thoughts a day. Most said 60,000 thoughts a day. 90% of which they said are repetitive. The same thoughts over and over again. Now, don't need to like raise your hand and tell me, but how many of you, when I say you have repetitive thoughts, realize, oh yeah, I know which ones you're talking about? I have those thoughts. A lot. For some people, it's lunch. They're constantly thinking about what they're going to have for lunch. Other people, it's about how am I being perceived? What are people thinking of me? Am I being judged? Who is judging me? What's going on? We have thoughts that we constantly entertain. But not every single thought that comes into your mind even comes from you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. Uh, Let me give you the context. Jesus is talking about how he'll be crucified. And Peter tries to stop him, tells him no. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, imagine if you're hanging out with Jesus, he looks at you and says, get behind me, Satan. What? See, Jesus recognized the source of that thought, and he was speaking to the source of that thought, not to Peter. Peter. And he was recognizing that thought you just had didn't come from you. That thought came from Satan. And he rebuked that thought. Luke 9 53 says, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James saw this, he said, Lord, do you want us to command fire down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? So the disciples are with Jesus, and they had a bad day. They tried to go to a village. They were rejected. They were mistreated. And the disciples' response was, hey, should we call down supernatural revenge on these people who just mistreated us? And they called to remembrance the story of Elijah when he had called down fire from heaven to burn a group of of soldiers that had come. To, to him, and Jesus responded and said, let me find where I'm at, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. The disciples just thought they had a good idea. They're just, you know, living life, something bad happens to them, they're like, hey, why don't we get revenge And, you know, you being like the son of God and all, why don't we do it like divine style and call down fire from heaven? And Jesus' response is, you don't even realize what spirit planted that thought. You think it's all you, but you need to recognize that you are of a different spirit. For the Son of Man, and then he says, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. There are, there are thoughts that come to our mind that did not come from our hearts, they did not come from the Holy Spirit. Jesus describes this being, he, he spoke to Peter, said it was Satan who planted that idea so if you and i have up to 60,000 thoughts a day what do we do with all of that second corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 and 5 says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds He's talking about weaponry. He's talking about demolishing. We demolish, what do we demolish? Arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every demon with a really big name. It says, and we take captive. Every thought. Another verse says cast down. It says take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You and I are to take captive our thoughts. One of my least favorite uh, like sayings is follow your heart. How many of you guys have heard that? Now, even when I say that, some of you are like, how can the pastor be against that? Let me tell you. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all else. Now, I get it. When when someone says follow your heart, they mean, well... They think, you know, well, if your heart says, you know, you should go into the NFL, then you should, you know, do the best you can and work hard at it and and follow your dreams. I am for following your dreams. I believe that God gives us dreams. But here's what I want you to understand. We need to be intentional about which dreams we choose to follow, which thoughts we choose to entertain. Now, I'm going to get a little bit basic, but the the concepts are profound. My grandmother, who is 92 last week, and just a fireball, used to draw a picture for us. All of us grandkids have all seen the exact same picture. She would draw the outline of a head, and then she'd draw a road going from one ear to the other. Can you put that picture up there? Kind of like this. You got a big old head, and you got this road, and you've got these cars coming across the, the head. And she said, this is like your brain, okay? You have information, you have thoughts coming and going all the time. You cannot stop all 60,000 thoughts, okay? But some of those thoughts are gonna stop and park. And when they do, this is is pastor's craft time here. When they do, those are the thoughts that make up who you are, who you become. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. These are the, the thoughts that you entertain, that you think about. Someone once said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from making a nest in your hair. There will be thoughts that come. But we need to use discernment, spiritual discernment to recognize which ones should I um, accept and which ones should I not. Then, here, can we get the, the next slide here? There's thousands of these thoughts. It's gonna get crowded. there. You've got so many of them. Another one. This is what we need. Parking by permit only. You and I need to be intentional about what we choose to allow in. We determine what is it that I will let into my mind and what won't I. The Bible says Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 10.4. It says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. When a thought is contrary to the knowledge of God, think about what Jesus said to the disciples. They said, hey, should we take revenge? And he says, no, because the Son of Man has come to help not to destroy he says take your idea compare it against what you know about god's character and plan and then throw it out when it doesn't coincide we will have that thought you you have thought i have done i have if i stood up here and told you all the dumb thoughts that i have had you'd be like that's our pastor our pastor can have those thoughts yeah those those thoughts come But I've learned to reject them. Send them packing. I don't need a raise of hands. I already know all of you have dumb thoughts. They come. We we have our own dumb thoughts, but then the enemy, as we see, comes and he'll try to sneak in extra dumb thoughts. Thoughts, the Bible says, that are contrary to the Word of God contrary to the character of God that set itself up against the knowledge of God. I need to have knowledge of God so that I can compare it against what's coming through. Otherwise, everything looks okay. Well, sounds good. Going to be fun. I'll take it. Sounds fun. I'll do it. They call it hedonism. When if it it feels good, do it. But how many of you realize that not everything that feels good is good? Not everything that sounds good brings about a positive results. What thoughts do we need to intentionally cast out? The Bible says those that exalt themselves up against the knowledge of God. When we look at Scripture, when we look at what we have been taught we, that, that God desires in our life, we then compare that to what's coming in and say, do I let that in? Does it get a parking spot or do I just send it on through? Ephesians 4, 27 and 29 says, and do not give the devil a foothold. If we're thinking of our... Picture there, my grandma's example that she gave me as a little kid, I would say, don't give them a parking spot. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Right? The verse before this says, don't get bitter and give the, the, the devil a foothold. Don't let wrongs replay in your head over and over and over again. Listen, you and I decide what to think. For some of you, it's like, yeah, I've been doing that all my whole life. I choose what to think. on. Some of you are like, are you kidding me? I just have these thoughts, and they just consume my mind, and I just, that's life, isn't it? Don't you just have thoughts? If that's you, This is the message. You're the one that God wanted this for. You don't have to think whatever comes to your mind. And that might take you by surprise, and it may take a little bit of getting used to, but you have the right to reject thoughts. If you were done wrong by someone, you don't have to think about. Over and over and over again. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to, to bring that back up over and over again. You can send that thought off. The Bible says, cast all your fears and anxieties on him because he cares for you. What does the picture of casting your anxiety, what is an anxiety is a thought. When the Bible says, cast all your cares on him, it is, it is literally putting us in the, the driver's seat of our thought process and saying, be selective, cast these, store up these. Cast these out Store these up. Angry thoughts, anxious thoughts, sinful thoughts. You don't have to just think on it because it came into your head. You can be intentional. Luke 6.45 says, A good man brings forth good out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The difference isn't which vehicles were coming through, it's which vehicles were given a parking spot. The good man stores up intentionally the good thoughts. The bad man, the Bible says, I mean, it sounds awfully simple. It's like we're in kindergarten. Good man, bad man. But it says an evil man out of the evil stored up in his heart behaves in an evil way. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Too many people just hope. Wake up in the morning, I wonder what kind of day I'm going to have. I guess we'll find out. And if they stub their toe in the first 10 minutes, the whole day is ruined. Why? Well, that's what happened. I guess if, if, if the first few thoughts that I have today are thoughts about something frustrating, if I get off to a bad start, then I'm going to have a bad day. Why? Because I simply let life happen to me. That's not what Scripture says about our thought life. Scripture says, you, you brothers, choose whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Now, many people get into the beginning of the verse and it says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, And then they skip that whole other part, and they go straight to think on these things. And it's like, well, it's true that they did that to me. And it's true that they said that about me. And it's true that this happened, and it's true that that, and it's true, and it's true. And if it's true, don't I have a right to just dwell on it? Yeah, but you're not going to get a favorable result. Jesus said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know why he said that he wanted to take revenge? Because vengeance is too heavy for you and I to carry. It's not because he wanted to steal from you the privilege of taking revenge. Oh, you know, some of us have it pictured God's up there. No, I want all the fun. You need to forgive them and move on, and I get to make them pay. And we're over here going, no, but I want to do it. It's going to be so much fun to see the look on their face when they realize that they too have to suffer, and it was me who made them do it, because they made me suffer. Trying to empower prison, to punish someone for the wrong they did to you, trying to keep them in jail, in emotional jail, trying to put those bars around them. Someone once said, if you're you're holding the bars in front of them, you're also behind bars because you're trying to keep them trapped, and in doing so, you've trapped yourself there as the jailer. God says, let that go. Let me take care of that. It's not just true. There are tons of true things that are not worth your time. They're just not. The Bible says that they need to be true, but it also says they should be noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. If that's your list, then you're not going to be spending much time thinking about how you've been done wrong. There's there's a term called confirmation bias, which means when new information comes, you interpret it based on your previously held position. So, for example, if you don't like a particular sports team, and you watch their games, if you consider them a lousy team, then every time they make a mistake, see, told you. Oh, here, here's, here's a really good example. If you have been told and you have chosen to believe that one gender or another are terrible drivers, okay? So just just for example's sake, we're going to imagine that you consider women to be a bad driver. You'll get in your car. You will pass 50 women driving. They're all doing just fine, right? You might even pass one or two guys doing something dumb. But right before you arrive, you see one lady, you know, change lanes without a signal. And what do you think? See. Ladies can't drive. Why? It's confirmation bias. You had all kinds of information to the contrary, didn't even register with you. But as soon as you saw something that confirmed what you already believed, well, then, you, then it's just highlighted to you. And when something comes in, new information comes in, you find a way to apply it that confirms what you've already believed. If someone, you know, had never, some, someone had never seen drivers before, came here from the past, back when it was just horses, you stuck them in the car, if you drove them out and they had for the first time taken, they'd have looked around, they would not have come to the conclusion that you just did. They might have come to the opposite conclusion based on what you observed. But not you. Why? Because we choose. Now, I want to think about that when it comes to our friends and family. If you have taken offense, if you choose to think over and over again negatively about one of your kids, then you know what? They can do the right thing, the right thing, the right thing, and then they mess up. See, I told you, he's a failure. He's always a, he's a rebel. He's never paying attention. Your are friends at work. If you have, you know, oh, my kid, he's just clumsy. Well, no, you, you, he goes through life. He, he took 10,000 steps today, but the one time he tripped, oh, yeah. Clumsy kid. Your spouse. Oh, they're just a lousy spouse. They don't care about me. They don't pay attention to me. All day long, they do 10 things right, 20 things right. And because you have chosen, you gave a parking spot to those negative thoughts about that person. Your thoughts keep repeating over and over again, and the, the thoughts you choose to dwell on are those negative thoughts, then you find that confirmation. Yeah. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. She doesn't love me. She doesn't care about me. She's selfish. He's selfish. Matthew 1234 says, You brood of vipers, how can you say you, who, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We fill our hearts, we fill our minds. We are given by God the responsibility of curating our thought life. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to close with this verse. We'll see how long it takes. Romans 8, 5 through 7. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So the Bible describes that you can have your mind set. It says these minds are set. I love that in English that's actually a word, a mindset. The Bible says live according to the flesh. If you live according to your mind is set, you have a fleshly mindset. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. What is the criteria for my thoughts? We choose that. The Bible says, the mind governed, and I love that it used this word, it stops saying the mind chosen by, it says the mind governed, ruled by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life. I'm going to jump back to a verse here, just a second. It says, James 1.15 says, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is finished, it brings forth death. The desires of our mind, when our mind is set on the things of the flesh and seeking out those desires, the end result is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit. You and I are, as Christians, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he has suggestions about what to say, what to do, and what to think. He wants to be governing. The Bible says that the spirit of man is the lamp of God, that it is God's he shines light on our path through our spirits. He will give us direction on which way to go. The mind governed by the Spirit is life. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand because where we're going with this, but just imagine for a second. Have you ever experienced that as soon as you sit down to read your Bible, like every chore that needs done just suddenly comes to mind? Like, as soon as as you start reading the Word and you start getting, all of a sudden, you just got to go to the bathroom. You just went 10 minutes ago, but you just got to go again. Like, there is just this, like, barrage, almost like an attack comes on you getting focused on that. Verse 7, let's read that again and then think about that. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. What does that mean? That means that if we have given habitually given power to the flesh to make those the flesh will be hostile, not just over, overtake, but hostile to the things of God. When as soon as you start praising and worshiping Every thought comes in to distract, and what is that? That is the flesh being hostile towards the things of God. It is a real deal, it's not a coincidence. That is, that is, an actual here's that is spiritual warfare. A lot of us. Like, we imagine spiritual warfare to be something totally different. You know, you got to be sitting in front of somebody and casting out a demon, and the demon has to be manifesting, and there's got to be something crazy going on. No. When you sit down to read the Bible, and every chore comes to mind, every other activity comes to mind, what did the Bible say? That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but then it says that our weapons cast down thoughts. Our mind is a battlefield. And we choose how to fight. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. Without Him, we will lose. It's interesting. It says, The mind governed by the flesh. Is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. I I just want to go someplace, just political for a second. We get upset at people for not wanting God's will to be done in the world, but they're not Christians. It's like getting mad at a duck for quacking. It's a duck. It's going to quack. But as a Christian, you shouldn't be out there quacking like you're still in the world. We don't expect... The Bible says a mind governed by the flesh can't be expected to behave like a mind governed by the Spirit. But you and I we are expected to walk hand in hand with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will quicken you if you ask and are willing to listen. So here's my challenge to you. I double-dog dare you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you in choosing your thoughts this week. Say, Holy Spirit, I want your help. Which thoughts do I give a parking spot to, and which ones do I send on? I know I have my habit. I have what I've been doing. I I spend, you know, so much time thinking about the things that were done wrong to me, and the people who did those things wrong to me, and I think about, you know, the mistakes that my people around me have made, and expecting the next mistake that they're going to make to, to happen, and I've got my habits, but I'm going to put those aside. And Holy Spirit, you remind me, help me to choose my thoughts this week. Help me to govern, the Bible says, governed by the Spirit, my thought life this week. Man, I believe, how many of you re- believe that that could make a difference? Yeah. This is this is what God said to do. He says be intentional. Dearly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you love us, that your word is full of practical advice that we can apply to every day of our life. Lord, we ask your holy spirit to quicken us, to speak to our spirit and Help us to recognize the bad thought patterns that we have developed and gotten into. Lord, we ask that that you would break those confirmation bias cycles where we keep seeing the negative that we're expecting. And then we see more and then it confirms it and we see more and we keep... Seeing negative about the people that you have put in our lives to be a blessing to us, for our children, for our friends or co workers. Lord, we just pray that you will help us to recognize the blessing that you desire them to be for us. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.